Good afternoon, punters. Uh, this is Jack Higgins back again for the Sunday service. Uh, ahead of a massive Hobart carnival, um, really looking forward to it. And I've got the pleasure of being joined by Maddie Reid from Taz Racing. How are you, Snapper? G'day, Higo. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, big couple of days about to uh, to happen in Hobart. We'll see how we go. Yeah, it should be a big uh, big couple of days. We've got, uh, obviously, the Strut Stakes, uh, the Taz Derby, the Carbine Club for the three-year-olds, and the Bow Mistress, uh, which is a group three, allegedly, for the fillies and mares uh, on the Friday. And then we move into Sunday where the big boys come over um, for the Hobart Cup as well as the Thomas Lyons Stakes. Um, is there anything that really caught your eye uh, initially when looking at the two cards? across the features at least? Is there a race that you're really looking forward to? I think the Thomas Lyons is is the one he go. It's probably a little bit underrated as far as the carnival goes. I mean, Tassie's got four group three races in, in the thoroughbreds, the the Vamos, the Bow Mistress and Hobart and Lonnie Cups. The Thomas Lyons is at listed level and routinely it's probably the, the best race of the entire carnival in terms of the quality. A few years back, we had Mystic Journey and, and Hell of a Street, um, both at their primes. We had Mystic Journey getting knocked off by Newhart when he was up and about this year. We've got Rebel Factor and the Inevitable. So it's the best horses going round in, in a race that often isn't billed as the best race of the carnival, but I think this year it, it is and, and it has been previously too. Yeah, we'll uh, have a look at that race definitely in, in depth. I'm very excited to see what the inevitable does ahead of an all-star mile campaign. Um, but I guess we may as well start with uh, with Friday and um, we'll have a look at the Bow Mistress because it looks a, a pretty hotly contested um, affair. Um, obviously, Dancer Dubai leading the betting here at 220. Uh, Raduna in for six dollars um and then it sort of goes on from there there's a few interstate raiders um and a mix of locals who uh i know you mentioned on your own podcast that they'd got the visitors draw and that couldn't be more true um a lot of them are sort of drawn wide or um and are forced to sort of go back uh on my map at least um i had dance to dubai and raduna going forward along with perhaps jar jar to boogie um, and Summer Fire getting a nice run in behind the speed. Did you see anything else apart from those? No, I think that that was about it, mate. And and I think the other point to mention, and, and the draws are important, it, this race is often mares that don't have a, a hell of a lot between them. Uh, I think the betting market is suggesting that Dance to Dubai might have a bit on them, and, and that may well be the case. But I think outside her... There isn't a lot between them. So if you have to go back and give a start, it's just so difficult when you haven't sort of got lengths to, to run past them. It's a race that's generally won by a horse that sits in the first couple. Um, it's tough to come from any further back than a couple of pairs. Yeah. Um, and obviously the rail is in the true position for the Friday card and then I assume moves out for the Sunday card. Is that right? Yeah, true Friday, six on Sunday. Um, should play, play really fair. There's a, a couple of light showers forecast late Friday, but 
nothing significant. And, and with that rail movement, um, it'll be fresh ground for the most part on Sunday. And the track's so wide. If anything, maybe the inside couple of lanes won't be ideal come late in the day on Sunday, but uh, not expecting any kind of mad bias, that's for sure. Yeah, the track's been playing unreal. And I definitely did form off a fair track and, and a dry track as well. And um, I really couldn't go past the toppy here um i've marked a uh, pretty short um there was 270 on offer earlier that's sort of been knocked around and into 220 um i just think she gets a great run from out wide to sort of balance up and and either find the top or at worst sit outside the gay waterhouse runner um i just don't know how they beat her i just keep coming back to her i mean raduna has the ability, but probably has gone off the boil in its last prep trialed really nicely um, behind a couple of smarties and Bella jumps over for Tom Dabernick first up for his stables, always a good play. And um, it trialed enormous uh, for real life gets a nice little suck running behind the speed. It's probably a level below those, but um, can go really well. And I thought Bell CL as well has been in, in decent enough form Um she has one, uh, bobbed up a few times in town um, a couple of preps ago and she ran really, really well against the bias um, in the rapid racing card. And I just thought that with that form being franked as well with Jungle Jim, that was probably the runner I'd like to have on side if I was going around the favourite. But did you find anything else here, any other angles that you could really think of? No, not really, mate. I know you love the Bow Mistress, but it's not one of my favourite races of, of the summer. I, I kind of lose my edge with uh, a lot of these horses coming across and I'm playing a bit of catch-up trying to familiarise myself with them. I do know that the, the Toppy Dance to Dubai has been backed into odds-on now, as short as $1.85 at, at some places. So they've really stepped into her. Uh, I mean, I'll have a play in the race. I won't be getting carried away. I think my main bet's probably going to be uh, like a one by a small one by two, one by three on on four real life. I thought uh, her last couple of runs have been decent. I love the map for her. She probably camps just behind the speed, uh, and from there, Dean Holland should give her every chance. It's probably a race here go where I, I might try and pop the favourite through the quaddy and, and might even tick field, hope that something happens with her. And I do think if she gets beat, it's the type of race that might throw up any kind of result because realistically, uh, none of these are hopeless. They might be a little bit outclassed, but if Dan Shooter buys off her game and, and doesn't win for whatever reason, then you could easily see a blowout. Yeah, definitely. And I, I probably couldn't entertain her at the current price. Um, I definitely would want black odds, maybe a shade higher around the 250 mark. It'd be great on, on game day. I just, it's one of those ones that it's just so obvious that I have to be with her. But um, as you said, like the track's playing so fair, every horse will get its chance. And I think probably summer fire gets probably the best run of the locals in behind the speed, but is she good enough? Time will tell, but, um, definitely looks a breeding play, if any, just to get her into the placings there. But I thought Queenborough Flyer was the number one seed of the locals um, off the back of its last run. But uh, it's drawn awkward here. And, yeah, I had to look around. So, yeah, I've I've backed um, the favourite at the, at the early price. But I definitely can see myself sort of finding a position on a few other runners as well, particularly in the, in the place market. I think it's one of those 
they could throw up any result uh, in the top four for sure. Yeah, agree with that. And Queenborough Fly, she's probably one that, that maybe has the X factor of the locals. You mentioned uh, the draw is pretty, pretty difficult for her. But tactics will be interesting for Siggy Carr. She's kind of fired Queenborough Flyer out of the machines a couple of times unexpectedly. And from 12, I think she probably has to try and be aggressive, particularly given the favourites drawn alongside her. I'd be trying to potentially get a cart and, and maybe see if you can slot in. You might be three wide, no cover, and, and race is done. But in turn, I think if you snag and go right back to the tail, you're not winning anyway. So I think Queenborough Flyer and might uh, be ridden for luck, push forward. And, and if she can slot in, it might be game on. Yeah, yeah, definitely a good call there. Um, I guess moving on on Friday, there's a couple other features, but they've... Uh, they're quite small fields and um, safe to say the favourites will be very hard to beat in um, Soul Choice and Dunkel in their respective races. But I think Sunday has plenty on offer for the punter. So pretty keen to sort of hear your thoughts on the Thomas Lyon stakes. Um, I guess it's the inevitable's race to lose, really. Um, I couldn't believe that we could get black odds for so long uh, when the prices went up across most of the books. I just, when when assessing this race, it, there's plenty of speed on, uh, gets to a, a fair track at Hobart, over 1,400, has the best sprint out of basically every runner there. Um, I just couldn't move past him, really. Um, obviously, Rebel Factor's the up-and-coming sprinter in Tasmania and um, did the right thing by the punters last start. I know you were on. Um, did you have any other thoughts outside of the two main hopes here. I just, I think the map sort of works out for probably both of them. And I just think the inevitable is going to be the strongest late. Did you have any differing opinions there? No, look, they're, they're definitely the two here go. It's as good a field as we could hope to get this race too. Um, bearing in mind, there were a few interstate noms that, that didn't come across. Uh, the inevitable just ticks all the boxes that you'd want for a horse that's, a shortish odds and that doesn't necessarily lead. I mean, the motive couldn't be any stronger. The horse is now in, in the running for the all-star mile and it's kind of put up or shut up time on the track. Uh, if he's to be any chance, um, yes, you want to get in, but you also want to get in as, as realistically being at the top of your game. I think he is that, but this is another step where uh, he needs to prove it. And, and we get the wild card here and the rebel factor. I think when they met in the conquering, um, we were kind of un, unsure, undecided as to whether Rebel Factor was up to the very best horses in Tassie. He ran second that night and gave the inevitable uh, an almighty scare. And then last time in the Ladbroke Stakes, he was arrogant winning that. And, and that was essentially a new market that, that didn't include the inevitable. So he's a proper horse, Rebel Factor. Uh, I do think it's a legitimate um, race in two. Uh, the bookies were quickly knocked into shape. They opened Rebel Factor a, a bit big, and uh, he's into about $4 now. I think uh, Sir Simon in this race ensures a, a genuine tempo and, and probably enables a horse like First Accused to, to maybe be ridden a little bit more conservatively, even though he has drawn gate 10. He kind of just set the race up for the inevitable win, the Tassie Stakes. It was a really good ride by Froggy. He rode to win, but in the end, he was sort of a, a sitting shot for the inevitable. But the big race to Simon 
you know he'll bowl along. My word is he'll be up there on speed somewhere. So you'd think there's enough sort of pace in the race for the inevitable and particularly from barrier six to, to not be cluttered up. Challenge for Dave is to get clear air. And and uh, I was on a separate interview with Trent Wells early today talking about uh, Rebel Factor. And I think they know that they need to be in front of the inevitable. They're just conscious of maybe not hitting the front too soon and being a sitting shot late. But yeah, I'm not going any wider than, uh, the inevitable and rebel factor in my quaddie. That's for sure. Yeah. I just, the only sort of query I had on rebel factor was that the inevitable had its match in the identical situation. And we were, we were given $10 there and here we're sort of having to take $4 around that price. And, um, I guess slightly different to your uh, take there that I thought first accused would go forward with Froggy on um, Sir Simon yet with you a hundred percent. And I just thought that they were there more or less as um, I guess pacemakers for those back in the field, like they're going to be up there sitting shots late in the last 200 and getting run over. Um, I thought that the holes in the market from a lane perspective would probably be First accused at the $6, I couldn't get um, him that short. Uh, Mandela effects, probably the interesting runner outside of the top two. Um, I thought he's been going super um, and gets to sort of the stage of prep where he could really push on. Uh, gets Blake Shin. Um, I think the draw is quite good for, for it as well. Um, did you have any thoughts there? I thought... It was sort of a top four hope and one to follow maybe next start. But, um, yeah, all in all, I just I just seriously can't believe that there's black odds available for the inevitable here when we've had to take $1.35, $1.50 all prep. Um, yeah, I think he'd have to do a lot wrong from... And the middle draw from Perez, I thought, gave him options on whether to go inside or outside horses. So, um, yeah, any thoughts on Mandela effect or any of those at a, at a bigger price there? Uh, Mandela effect, I don't love back to 1,400 metres for him. He's probably was a touch flattered in the conquering bullet. It was a really nice ride. He, he rattled up the inside late. It was a real eye catcher there. He wasn't suited, I'd say, in the Tassie Stakes, kind of settling back and being run off his feet. I agree that Barry 2 is probably good for him to be smothered up, but I'd probably prefer him at a mile. I certainly agree that the first accused is the unders and, and it's probably providing a bit of juice into the prices of the two market elects. Uh, I probably thought if we're looking for one that can maybe fill a hole out wide, the old boy Blazeforth, he go, I, I kicked up for him last start in the Labroke Stakes. Uh, he was good in the carpet charge in an unsuitable race. He was really good late over 1,200 in the Ladbroke Stakes. He's never been a Hobart horse, but at this stage of his career, he's probably looking for 1,400. And at, at 60 to 1, maybe he could fill a hole at, at $8 to place. Alpine Wolf's an interesting runner in this race with the blinkers on after a narrow defeat in the Devonport Cup. He was pretty disappointing in the Conquering, but his, arguably his career best win came in Hobart in the Tassie Guineas as a three-year-old. So he will certainly enjoy come, coming back here and... He's probably got nothing to lose now, the wolf. The spruik's come off him a little bit. Um, he's probably been exposed as maybe not being the, the super-duper star that some people were touting him as. He's no doubt a very good horse, but he comes into this race probably with no real 
sort of expectations. If he does run a, a good race, great. If not, well, he's probably been tipped out anyway. So I thought he's an interesting runner. But, yeah, maybe one at a price to find a bit of value for multiples might be the old boy Blaze fourth. Yeah, with you there and gets a nice soft run in behind the speed. So be interesting. I hope the inevitable gets the cash and then um, off to the All-Star Mile, which... Uh, again, will be another interesting uh, race and, and hopefully he'll be flying down the outside come uh, All-Star Mile Day, that's for sure. Um, I, I think guess... Mooney, Valley's a track, Mooney Valley's a track that will suit the inevitable at this stage of his career, I reckon. Yeah, do you reckon he'd be better off with a nice little suck run up the inside or are you thinking like just running down the back, a bit like he does at Launceston, getting going early and then putting him away on the turn? I think maybe the the suck runs might be might be good for him, but I mean realistically he's likely to be outclassed as a winning chance in that race. But you could see him running midfield and, and maybe beating half of them home if he's still performing at his peak. Yeah, definitely, it'll be good for Tassie to have a runner, and hopefully we can cheer him home. Um, and I guess the the final part of uh, this weekend's Hobart Carnival is the Hobart Cup. Um, and I will sort of preface this by saying that staying races aren't my cup of tea. I sort of max out at the at the mile, um, both physically and uh, from a punning aspect. So I'm pretty keen to hear your thoughts here on on how you saw the race unfolding. I, I more or less saw it pretty similarly to the market in the fact that the visitors do have a mortgage on the race and and probably the leading hope being Swoop Dog and Glass Warrior from... Um, the Blackie yard. Did you sort of see anything out wide or any thoughts on this race in general, really? I probably have a slightly contrarian view on this race. Here go to most people I've spoken to about the Hobart cup who kind of see it as the two new South Wales horses are a fair way ahead of the rest. Now, uh, spirit Ridge is a 103 rater one, two starts back at Flemington, Prior to that, I think hadn't won for the best part of a couple of years. Um, they both come out of the same race at Warwick Farm. It was a listed race, the Australia Day Cup. And, and on paper, it does look, I guess, the strongest form. Uh, I will say that Sydney trainers don't have a brilliant history in the Hobart Cup. You've got to go back over a decade to find the last New South Wales trained horse, um, which was bid spotter. It's not to say that... They won't potentially Quinella at this year, but I'm just not convinced that the form is maybe as, as strong as it reads on paper. And part of the reason for sort of potting it is uh, two starts back at Flemington when Spirit Ridge defeated Swords Drawn. That race was run to suit those on pace. And I actually had something on Swords Drawn a little bit at Mooney Valley. He was beaten by a horse called Eaton at any old price he go. And I'm led to believe that that isn't necessarily the strongest form. So uh, maybe there's a couple of chinks in the armour there. And, and there's certainly no fat on the price about the toppy Spirit Ridge at, at $3. He's well enough found. He has to give three and a half kilos to the field here, um, which does look like a pretty big ask. I think the, the wild card and X factor as far as the interstate runners go is ain't no deal done. For Anthony and Sam Friedman, a really promising three-year-old, had injury issues, came back and won a 78 in pretty impressive fashion at Mooney Valley last start, had to round them up from the back there, which is obviously hard to do and did so with 59 kilos. 
plummets to the minimum here. Mickey D comes across for the ride, and, and there's been a bit of market support, 7 into 480 um, with Ladbroke. So um, I thought he was maybe the one that might have uh, a bit of upside of the visitors. But the, the one I kind of settled on, you go, and I've long been saying that the locals have probably got no chance in this race, and I've backflipped a little bit at the last minute. I kind of landed on Glass Warrior each way uh, at sort of $10 plus. Uh, she was super winning here two starts back in the Brighton Cup and kind of ridden pretty cold in uh, the subsequent Summer Cup, rattled home in the fastest closing sectionals of the entire program. Glass Warrior. We know she'll run 2400. She's a Launceston Cup winner. She ran fourth in this race last year when she drew gate one. She has gate one again on Sunday. Worth noting, though, last year the inside was certainly chopping out by late in the program. I think the truck will be holding up a bit better this time. Slight concern, we've got Chelsea Baker on. She's a really good young apprentice and, and not being disrespectful to her, but um, when she looks across and sees Blake Shin sitting on top of one, she might think, uh, she's I'm really up against the big boys now, as she is. And she deserves her opportunity, but she'll need a bit to go right from, from gate one. But I do think Glass Warrior is the best chance of the locals. I could easily see her running a place if she doesn't win. And, and she's already gotten a bit of my money each way. Yeah, totally. And do you think she'll be positive from barrier one? Or do you think that she'll have to sort of take her medicine and sit sort of four fence um, obviously was held up a little bit uh, in her previous run. They did go quite slow and then she ripped home. Um, I guess, is she going to get the same sort of uh, luxury here in terms of being able to rattle home late and actually still be in the finish or, um, or will she have too much to do? Do you think? I guess that's the concern. I don't think she's a horse that, that can be put into the race. She just doesn't have any gate speed. So I think she will need to take her medicine. She's probably going to be in the back half. The challenge for Chelsea will be, uh, can you get the back of a horse that, that's going to take you somewhere? The last thing that you want to do is be behind one that's going slowly. I don't necessarily hate the inside draw from the standpoint that uh, the horse was able to round them up in the the Brighton Cup, but this is a different kettle of fish. So I'm not sure Glass Warrior has the the quality to be able to take off at the 1200 and just lap them in a in a Hobart Cup. It was different against the locals in a Brighton Cup, but in the Hobart Cup, she will probably have to wait a little bit longer. And as long as she can get trucking from the 600 and, and maybe get the backside of one that can take her somewhere, I'm pretty confident she'll run out the trip quite strongly and and hopefully um, finish in the money. I, I think. The stablemate swoop dog is the the shortest price of all of the Tassie horses. Uh, I just think he's he's been blessed in running at, at Longford, Devonport, and in the Summer Cup. Just ridden a treat by Siggy Cup. Uh, the the Hobart Cup was really slowly run. I've just still got a bit of a query on him at the end of twenty four hundred, but he's flying. He puts himself in the race, and I could easily be proven wrong there. And maybe if uh, based on the form, he could be worth a ticket at about nine bucks. All right. Well, that sounds like we've got a bit of a game plan there. I'll I'll be inclined to sort of probably follow you in there. I doubt I'll be betting in the race, but um, it should be a good race to sort of see off this weekend's racing and um and the Hobart Carnival, I guess you'd call it. Um, and do they go on to race the following week at Hobart as well, or when's the next? Uh, I guess iteration of the feature races. The I know the Vamos 
is the other group three, is it? Yeah, the Vamos is on Launceston Cup Day. So we've got a pretty quick turnaround this year. The Launceston Cup is always the last Wednesday in February. Just the way that the calendar falls, it basically means we've got 10 days between the Hobart and Launceston Cups. Uh, after Sunday, we will race the following Sunday in Launceston. It's Tasmanian Oaks Day. There's also two Magic Millions races on that program, restricted to horses uh, purchased from the Magic Millions, one for two-year-olds, and the other for three- and four-year-olds, you would expect, based on what we've seen here go with the two-year-olds, that the that race might come up a little light, both on numbers and potentially quality. The three and fours are a bit stronger. And in turn, based on what we see in the strut on Friday with just five horses and sole choice $1.50, that the Oaks uh, is probably ripe for at least a few runners to come across and, and try and pick that one up as well. But, uh, yeah, the Vamos is run on uh, Launceston Cup Day. That's 1,400 metres, Group 3, logical progression from uh, Friday's Bow Mistress. And then we've got the Cup and a couple of other good supporting races on that Launceston program as well. So Hobart gets a few weeks off after this uh, two-day carnival over the weekend. Yeah, really looking forward to that uh, Launceston meeting. I reckon you're spot on there. The three and four-year-old Magic Millions race will probably be better than better spectacle than the two-year-olds um, off what we've seen. And I'm still hurting from last year's Oaks, so um, I doubt I'll be betting there. But be interesting to see if an interstate raider comes over. Um, it's always a cracking addition. And, and yeah, the 1,400-metre uh, Vamos will be uh, another good one to to get ready for. Um, and I guess to finish up um, with this podcast, um, did you want to run through any best bets um, that you had? I, I mean, I've probably can kick us off here in saying that my best bet at this point in time is, is probably going to be on Sunday in the inevitable. Um, I just think that the black odds on offer is, is a fantastic bet and, um, I'm happy to sort of butter up there and and potentially save my stake on on Rebel Factor. I think you can probably play it four units on the the inevitable and sort of one unit at four dollars twenty or four dollars forty, whatever's around, um, and sort of have those two going for a decent collect. Um, did you have any sort of thoughts on either Friday or or Sunday and on what you liked? Yeah, I guess when we're recording this, you go, we've only got uh, the Thomas Lyons and Hobart Cup markets on Sunday in complete agreement in regards to the inevitable. I had him about $1.70. I think uh, it's a big advantage for him racing in Hobart. Um, He seems to pull up a lot better from racing in Hobart than Launceston, which is perhaps a little bit firmer. And for those that aren't familiar with Tassie, uh, Scotty Brunton's Seven Mile Beach stables are about 20 minutes from Hobart, and he's a three-hour float up to Launceston. Rebel Factor, who's based in the north of the state, will have that float trip down. So I think the home ground advantage is, is real for the inevitable. Uh, they're the two. I think if you're looking for something to roll into the inevitable, and this is a bet I've had, which is uh, sole choice into him, sole choice, I think, you can probably still get around a dollar fifty. Roll him into the into the little fella at about three dollars. Looks a nice double. And if for whatever reason he goes sole choice goes under, and we've only left with one leg, then we'll just have to reinvest on the inevitable for for Sunday uh, at even money. Uh, best bets for me on Friday's program. Uh, we went through. It's essentially if you don't want to take the shorts, you're essentially stuck 
with what almost might end up being a five race program because Dance did a buy into a dollar ninety. We know Soul Choice and, and Dunkel uh really short odds as well. Uh I quite like GG Queen Bee in the last race on Friday. Uh she's number four. She's a horse that needs to draw low marble. She's got that here. Uh hopefully Erica Burnberg can keep her smothered up. She's only got a short turn of foot and I saw they were betting each way, but you and I have been discussing this through the day. There's a lot of horses that are dual accepted between Friday and Sunday, uh, which creates having an early bet very difficult. Um, that is one of those races. Uh, the toppy freak on a lead is probably likely to come out of Friday's race, I would have thought, and it's rated about a $5 chance. But I think G Queen B around the $4 mark, I think you can get five or six bucks um, with that horse in. So I think uh, she's going to be a bet for me. I've had something there. And that's probably it as far as um, early specials go, I reckon, mate. Yeah, hearing what you're saying there with GG Queen B, I know you were uh, cursing a little bit last start when she got out real late, but um, hopefully she can get the chocolates. And yeah, the dual acceptors is a real headache for me at the moment. But I thought, yeah, the two, the two best um, chances I sort of had circled uh, on the Friday program was Dance to Dubai. But as I mentioned, she's probably short enough now. Um, maybe playing Belciel or Embella in that race to place, probably around the $4 mark seems fair. Um, but I did like one in race six. I liked Miami Sun. Um, the green corporate uh, has gone up at around the $6 mark, and that's been taken care of. Unfortunately, I wasn't a part of that. Um, but I still think the the 420 on offer is probably still a bet. Um, I just don't think this horse has done much wrong. Yes, its SPs are quite high, but I think it's just going to have to get back, which it normally does anyway, and, and sort of run on. Brooke Hannum has a really good relationship with the horse, obviously, through the stable. And I just thought muscle up, yeah, has gone enormous and... Um, of recent times and finally draws an inside marble. But I just feel like Miami Sun might be really good and we just don't know it yet. Um, and I thought it could be the one that upsets the current uh, market favourite in Muscle Up. And I thought Sistine probably should be double that price um, that's gone up at the moment. So that's probably one that I'm keen to play um, once the other sort of markets go up and, and we can get some money on. Yeah, definitely agree with that. I think Miami Sun and Muscle Up, they're the only two I'll be chucking in the quarter and agree. Might just be a really good horse, uh, Miami Sun. Uh, if you believe what what we've seen, it, it's not easy to win on any track sweeping down the outside as he's done in recent times. And I think the draw is no bigger disadvantage for, for that horse who probably needs to be ridden in that way and probably help to inflate the opening price. Yeah, definitely. Um, but all in all, I think, uh, Friday and Sunday's cards look, look quite good. I'm only halfway through Sunday's card at the moment and I've only done the features that, um, I knew markets would sort of go up for, um, but it should be a cracking carnival. Are you, are you jumping on track and on official duties or are you able to let the hair down? No, I would have liked to have let the hair down, mate, but uh, I'll be doing Taz Racing TV uh, both Friday and Sunday, I've got a part to play in the Calcutta on track on Friday night. So, 
yeah, it's been a busy week so far and there's a lot of hard work to come. But um, that's all right. It's what we do it for at, at this time when we're grinding away, trying to pick our way through a July Hobart meeting, Higo, or a uh, carpet meeting in August. We'll remember that uh, we do it for days like Hobart Cup Day and Derby Day and that kind of stuff. So it's our peak time, best horses. Good to see some good big-name jockeys in town and really looking forward to it. Yeah, it should be good, and I'd encourage anyone to sort of get on course if they're if they're local or if they're travelling. Um, Tassie's been in the um, in the media for the King Island uh, Cup recently, and um, with all the Melbourne trainers getting around it, and it's good to see some interstate raiders jumping across for these features. Um, and I appreciate you joining me, mate, taking some time out of the day, and hopefully we found a few winners. Otherwise, uh, we could be looking for new jobs. But, Can't be um, worse than last, last Sunday, mate. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. Thanks, heaps. Uh, thanks, punters. Hopefully you enjoy listening and uh, good luck to us on the weekend. Cheers.